And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be burnt by the second death. Amen. Let's pray. Yes, indeed, Lord. And is our prayer, the mind of Christ, our Saviour, dwelling in us from day to day. How we thank you, Heavenly Father, that that is a, can be a reality because of the Holy Spirit uh, who lives within us. Lord, we give you our praise. We give you our worship. And we ask, Lord, that you would come and speak to our hearts once again as your word deals with us, as we reflect and think upon it. Give us, Lord, we pray, ears, ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We ask it in his name. Amen. Now, Anna was the only breadwinner in her family of five. Two of her children are severely handicapped and her husband is struggling with a long illness. And families like Anna's struggle with poverty all their lives. Why? Because they are Christians who refuse to convert to Islam. They are forced to work for low wages and they face prejudice and discrimination, danger and death. Ranked number one in the Open Doors list for 19 years, one report says in North Korea, over 200,000, we are 350 today, 200,000 Christians have gone missing since 1953. 60% are women and girls. And the fact is, folks, that Persecution is a reality for over 340 million people worldwide. Smyrna was the first church mentioned to suffer for Christ. She was not going to be the last. And the relevance to us as a change in our country has taken place Who knows? But we do know that increasingly Christians are seen not as the answer, but as the problem. And increasingly, our culture is turning back to paganism and away from its Christian heritage. Is that correct? I think it is. And so it may be that you, particularly the younger ones, may be called may be called to suffer for Christ and some, who knows, to pay the ultimate price. Smyrna is coming. It's already here in many other places and it may come in our own day, in our own generation. 
in our own country. Smyrna was the first. She wasn't going to be the last. So we're going to focus today on God's encouraging word to the church in Smyrna. Now, if you bring the next slide up for me, please. There's a little map. Why do I put the map up? Simply so you can see these are real places. (laughs) These are real people. There really is an island called Patmos. You can go and visit it, and you can see firsthand. By the way, you don't have to pay, by the way. You can do this on the Internet. You can go into the cave where John is said to have had his revelation as he was locked in the cell on that Lord's Day when he heard a great voice behind him, and it was a vision of the risen, ascended, glorified, transformed, soon coming king of the universe, Jesus. And the Lord Jesus Christ gave to John, the aged disciple. He who was the youngest of the disciples when he was called is now the last of the disciples to live. And he's in prison. The persecuting machine of the Roman Empire has put John in a concentration camp. That's what it was. On lighter duties, by the way, because he was probably about 90, so they say. Nobody knows. And he's shortly to be martyred. But before then, the Lord Jesus Christ gives him this wonderful message that is sent to the churches. And the tide in the Roman Empire had already turned. Nero started persecution in Rome. But the later emperors started persecution Uh, over the empire and there was coming a bloody century of persecution for the church that's the context and the risen lord speaks to his church he speaks to the church in smyrna but he speaks to the church for the next two thousand years and what he says is relevant to some church not far from us on planet earth and may well be directly relevant to us In all of the letters, you find the seven letters to seven churches, and each of the seven letters has got a a sevenfold division. And I think that's a good way to study. So firstly, you get to the angel of the church in, and it gives a place, and that's the salutation. And the place is written because it's important. These places were different. You find a little bit about the history, the geography, and the culture of the time. You find that the Lord's words chime with that culture, that day, that city, that place. So Smyrna is the place that's a port like Ephesus. But unlike Ephesus, the pressure is on for the people of God in Smyrna. It was the center of the worship of a goddess called Sibele. She was a mother goddess, and she's often depicted by statues with a crown on her head. Some from a Roman Catholic background may recognize that image. And so horrific pagan ceremonies that no Christian could possibly participate in took place took place in the worship of this false goddess, Sibele. If you're a Christian, you just couldn't go and do that. And therefore, to be a Christian in Smyrna was to face persecution. It was to choose 
persecution. The local populace were against you. And the local religious people. Who were they? They're called the synagogue of Satan. It's the Jews. That's what Jesus calls them, not me. And of course, uh, if we don't do what the world approves of, increasingly it's going to bring persecution to us. This week coming up is the trial of Bernard Randall, the Reverend Bernard Randall. Who was he? He was a minister, a, um, a Church of England minister in a Church of England school in the Midlands. And he had the audacity to teach in his sermon to the children that marriage was between one man and one woman. He was branded a danger to children. This is a Church of England school, and he's giving the official Church of England teaching on marriage, and he's branded a danger to children, and his case comes up next week. Pray for Bernard that God will uh, vindicate him, the Christian concern Legal people, Christian lawyers, are defending him. But nothing is certain in the courts these days. Let's pray for Bernard to be acquitted and vindicated. And already you think, well, if he's acquitted, that's okay. I don't know if you've ever been to trial. I hope not. Uh, Esther's been there many times. She's a judge. But the thing is, it's all the process leading up to it is horrendous. The things you have to go through. So already he's been through the mill. And that's before he could face a guilty verdict could do so we need to pray for these and he's not the first to do this the ashes bakery in northern ireland is another case in point so persecution relevant to us smyrna uh, a place where it was happening now to each of the churches the lord refers back to the vision that was given in chapter one Uh, so and he says here these things so he's speaking to the church the salutation, and now the identification of the speaker as the first and the last, okay, who was dead and who came to life. A persecuted church needs to hear from a resurrected Lord. He was dead and he lives to die no more. He is the first He's called the beginning. What's the first word in the Bible? Beginning. <laughs> and he is the last. What's the last subject in the Bible? Or the last word? Amen. He is the beginning and he is the amen. He's the alpha and the omega. He's before all things. In him all things consist. He was dead. He's alive. This is who he's presenting himself to as to the suffering church in Smyrna. And then he comes on to the commendation. Now, in all of the churches, um, there is the same structure. It's normally a commendation. And uh, in some of them, it's stronger than others. But in all of them, it says this. I know your works. I know. And, you know, when you're going through persecution or difficulties... To have the risen Lord of the church say those words to you, I know. What a comfort that is. I don't know your circumstances at the moment, what you're facing. Maybe some of you are facing real problems, real uncertainties, 
health issues, bereavement issues, employment issues, marital issues, church issues, life issues. Little word to you from the risen Lord, I know. (laughs) He knows all about it. He's the one who walks in the midst of the candlesticks. He is here in this room. Our hearts and minds are open to him. He reads us and he knows us. I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. These were poor people, persecuted, perhaps unable to earn a living because they were Christians, despised and rejected by men. He says, I know these things, but you are rich. Rich in faith and, of course, rich in heavenly reward. And who else was despised and rejected by men? Who else was rich, yet he became poor, that we, through his poverty, might become eternally, unbelievably rich? It's us, isn't it? The Lord Jesus Christ, I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who are Jews, say they are Jews, but they are a synagogue of Satan. This is the first mention of Satan in the book of Revelation. We see his entrance in chapter 3 of the Bible. We see his exit three chapters before the end of the Bible in chapter 20. Satan is a defeated foe, but he is a definite foe. And he is alive and he is active on planet Earth. And here, stirring up renegade Jewish people, Jewish believers uh, who are not Jews, says Jesus. They are the synagogue of Satan. And uh, this is the background then to Ismir, to Smyrna. You are the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I know your works and I know what you're facing. He knew there what they were facing, and he knew he knows what you're facing. And, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, his name, Jesus, is a human name. When he was born of the virgin, he received a human name. He knows what it is to suffer temptation, tempted in every way. We're tempted in some ways. He was tempted in every single way. As it were, that I, whatever way you're tempted in, some things you're tempted in, some things you're not. He was tempted in every single way, yet lived without sin. The sinless Son of God. He was tempted, and he knows what it is. Temptation is suffering, but he knows what it is to suffer in the body. He was battered. He was bruised. He was beaten and tortured. Our Queen Elizabeth never suffered any of that he did and he went to the cross suffering shame ignominy reproach with the spittle of others upon him that he couldn't even wipe away because his hands and feet were nailed to that old rugged 
cross. Jesus says, I know about suffering. I've faced it. And uh, I've been there in ways that you uh, need to know at this time. Surely he has borne our sorrows, carried our griefs. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Only one of us here. You will never know what it is if you're a Christian to bear the wrath of God. You won't. But he bore the wrath of God for all of us. He knows suffering that you as a believer will never ever know. Smitten of God and afflicted in the darkness of Calvary, Jesus died for our sins. He knows what it is to be poor. Remember the the temple when the, Sadduce- when the Herodians came and said, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar? He said, show me a penny. Implication, he didn't have one. <laughs> they give him the penny upon which he preaches his sermon. And of course, hostility and blasphemy from the synagogues. Jesus had suffered that. It was the high priest who organized and devised the death of the Savior. So these are strong words of the Lord, and it points us to the truth. He had an enemy. They had an enemy in Smyrna, and you and I have an enemy called Satan. We're called to resist him, steadfast in the faith, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and to put on the whole armor of God, which is provided for us by Christ and is in fact Christ. The blessed praise of righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Daily prayer. Put it on your armor before you go and face the world. And what better place? The quiet time has already been mentioned. That's what we're doing as we meet with God before we meet with men. Christ had an enemy. Christians have an enemy. He's real active, cunning and hostile. So we need a battle mentality. It's interesting, you know, when before the Ukraine war, the Ukrainians could see this was coming and they said to their people, make sure you know where the bomb shelters are. Make sure you know where the bomb shelters are. So when the bombs started falling, the Ukrainians were able to go to the underground stations and go to all the places, underpasses and so on, where they could shelter. Why is that relevant to us? You know, it may not have started yet. Difficulties for us, either personally, whatever, as the churches. But make sure we know the Lord's refuge, our refuge is in him. And uh, we need to be ready armed with the mind that we might be called to suffer one day and ready to face it. There's a salutation, there's an identification, there's a commendation, there's a correction. What's the correction? Well, not strong, but there it is. Do not fear. Do not fear. Now, some of us are a bit frightened when we have to go to the dentist. (laughs) But 
The Lord is saying, some of these people would have to go to death. And he's saying, don't fear. And in some ways, you know, the worst that they can do to us is to take away our life. And if they do that, where do we go? We go to his presence eternally. Do not fear the way to face persecution. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. That word tested, temptation. And you will have tribulation from the day that Jesus ascended till the day he comes back. The church's path is tribulation. And it's 10 days. What does that mean? Just this, I think. It's limited. There's coming an 11th day for these folks when they'll be out. They'll be through. And they'll, be, they'll be through it. And you know, there's coming a day soon. I don't know when it will be. But eventually, the church in North Korea will rise from the ashes of that government and maybe a mighty force for God in that uh, part of the world. The persecution is real. It's horrific and it's horrendous. But it's 10 days. It will cease. And God will have the last word in those regimes uh, of persecution and, uh, and suffering for the Christians. And then there's an exhortation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of eternal life. Now the goddess Sibele is depicted in the pictures as wearing a crown. But the crown that Christ gives is for real and it's forever. And if you're a Christian, he's going to give you a crown of eternal life forever. He had a crown. Same word. His was a crown of thorn. Yours is a crown of eternal life if you are a believer. The victor's crown, a crown of honor and glory. He took a crown of thorns that we might take a crown of victory. Exhortation, invitation. What's God's invitation to us? In all of the churches, he says this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How does God's Spirit speak? These are the words of the Son of God written down for us as holy men wrote them. They are the words, the words of Scripture, the words of the Holy Spirit, and the words directly of the Lord Jesus Christ here. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then a declaration. He who overcomes, conquers, will not, no way, double negative, be hurt of the second death. One of the themes of Revelation is that there is coming, when Jesus comes back, a great judgment day, depicted as a great white throne, an eternal, irrevocable division 
of everyone who's ever lived. Heaven. Hell. Referred to here as the second death. It's a theme in scripture. And the promise to the Christians in Smyrna who may well have to face death for their sufferings uh, for Christ is this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes, who's faithful unto death, shall not be hurt by the second death. The first death, a spiritual death. Adam died a spiritual death. He was cut off from God, though physically alive. And we're born in Adam. We're born spiritually dead. But when Christ comes into our lives, when we trust in him and we believe in him and come to him as our savior, we are saved and we receive eternal life. And that eternal life cannot be quenched by the second eternal death, the second death that is coming to those who are not Christians to be eternally separated soul from God, soul and body forever. It's appropriate to pause at this point and just ask, as Daniel did last night in a crowd like this, there may be some even here who've never trusted in Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. You will not be spurred the second death unless you trust in him who bore the second death on the cross. He died spiritually first, then physically. And he's borne that for all who will trust in him as their savior. Is that you today? Are you trusting in Christ? The promise is clear. Those who trust in him, those who overcome, will not be hurt by the second death. Dear friend, make sure that that is you today. Conclusion. You know, the Bible is clear. The purpose of this book, it does tell us multiple times there will be suffering in the path, in the life of a Christian. Paul puts it like this. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Peter says, don't think it's strange. Don't, this fiery trial that's coming, don't think it's a strange thing. It's It's real because we're in a battle zone and a war mentality. But the risen Lord says, do not fear, be faithful to death and I'll give you a crown of life. We have an enemy. He uses totalitarian states, false religion, paganism and all the rest to persecute Christians and try believers. And what is Christ's message to those who suffer? Do not fear. Suffering is certain but limited. Be faithful unto death. Christ is worth living for and Christ is worth dying for. You are called to live for him. You may be called to die for him but he is worthy in the congregation of the church in Smyrna as this letter was read out by the messenger to the church there could well have been a young man 
called Polycarp. In AD 156, he was brought before the Roman governor. And he was commanded to renounce his faith, to curse Christ, and he would live. And if not, he would be burned. And Polycarp wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He said, the fire that you have got is only for a short time. But the fire that you will face is for eternity. And Polycarp sealed his testimony with his blood. He said at the time, AD 56, I am 80 and 6 years old. I've served Christ all my life. He's never done me any harm. Why should I curse him who's only done me good? And so the Roman governor burned him at the stake. 86, take those, 156, take away 86. He will have known of, maybe even heard it first time read in the church at Smyrna where he lived and where he died. He will have known of this. And the Lord's words to him, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. The Lord encouraged the church at Smyrna and he encourages the suffering church today and he encourages us to have that same mind face. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, whatever I face, I'm going to face it for Christ. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we realize that as we are in relative comfort and ease here, there are many of your people who do face suffering and death, and some will die even today. Lord, it's a somber and a a solemn thought But we do pray, Lord, for all those facing persecution, that you'd help them, comfort them, strengthen them, and help us, Lord, never to forget that there are those who are in chains simply because they're doing what we do. They own the name of Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray that if we are called to suffer, we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to remember these words and to be faithful in order to have that crown of life that's promised to those who are overcomers. Lord, we have no strength in ourselves, but we thank you that we can do all things through Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. We pray for that man, Bernard Randall, as he faces trial next week, that you give him the victory. And if not, you'd help him to suffer whatever uh, it takes and help him to suffer well. And we pray, Lord, too, finally, for any here, Lord, who are not Christians, who've never trusted in Christ as their Savior. Lord, we pray, may you deal with them graciously and lovingly by your Spirit. May they hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, and may they trust in him as their Lord, as their Savior, and know what it is to have eternal life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.